Hello and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is episode 56, day 278 here in the Zen Room on a very gloomy day outside. My name is Patrick Finn and I am here with the supercilious Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you today, Tommy? I'm okay. How are you? It's a horrible day. It's this weather, day. I'm like having seasonal affective disorder already. It's I usually get this in February, not in October. Three days of rain. I well, think, well, I think it's been like five days without sun. It's been ridiculous. Uh, it's like the summer like clocked out and was like, see ya. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. It's really yeah. been bumming me out. But it's um, fall. What's I, I like the fall. The fall. I like. I like the fall too, but not when it's just been rainy and gray and damp and cold out. But that's part of the fall. It shouldn't be. Well, it is. <laughs> I need more sunshine. It in my always autumn. has been. I want more sun and light in my autumn. Okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, okay, Mister <laughs> Defensive. Okay, I'm just saying it's part of it. Part of it is the 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 rain and the wind, and it's the only time of year you can use the word. Blustery. Blustery. Nothing else is, but you can't be blustery. Winter can be blustery, I guess. Spring can be blustery. No, because it's got to be cold. Oh, it's, it's got to be, be blustery? Cold, it's, yeah. Okay. It, it's, you know, the wind, it's, the, it's um, uh, you have to see the the leaves flying off the trees, and you have to have the birds flying overhead. It has to be, uh, yeah, like a blustery. Okay. You can't have blustery in the summer. You can't have blustery in the in spring. In the spring. Only in the fall, oh, fall and, winter. and winter. But it's a fall word. Okay. Blustery. And anything new and exciting happened to you in the past week since I, we last saw you? Let me ask you a question. Yes. I just spent five minutes talking about blustery, and you're going to ask me if anything <laughs> interesting happened to me this week? Yes, I am. Okay. Take you it. may surprise us. I won't. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. So? I had a good week, though. Good for you. I had a good week, though. Yes, I, we saw a production of Anna in the Tropics. We saw the closing performance. With that beautiful man. What beautiful man? Oh, God. Giovanni. Oh, Giovanni Marine, you're talking about. I love Giovanni Marine. Yes, he was in this play. It was directed by Tom Chorchari. Okay. For East Line Theater. It was done at the Westbury Arts Center. Okay. Not the greatest space in the world, but... Okay. For the space it was in, it was, it was really well done. He had a he had a really good ensemble cast for this play. Nice. I had never seen a production of. I had only read I this. I had only read it. It's you know it's about this Cuban family now living in Florida, running this uh, cigar cigar factory. factory, right? And they bring in this this person they call a I forget what they the word they use, but he's a reader. He reads books to help the people, the employees who are making the cigars, help them pass the time. Okay. So he reads books, and in this case, he's reading Anna Katerinina, the Tolstoy novel. Okay. And things ensue from there. But it was, like I said, overall, it was really, it was a good production. I was really glad we saw it. Okay, good. Yeah. And then just been busy with my own rehearsals for the Weir. Okay. Which I've been really happy with. Good for you. Like last night, I was just like in a down mood because of this weather. And we had a rehearsal. It was only three of the actors of the, of the five. We only covered like two scenes. But we got so much good work done. I was just so happy afterwards. It's like... Time well spent. Yes, it really was. So yeah, so that's how, um, that's how things have been going for me. Thrilling. Thank you. I thought so, too. Thrilling. So I guess this means then that we'll go into our first segment of the night. <laughs> yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. Okay. And you asked for a news story, so I have a news story for you. I didn't ask for it. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's just... 
Well, I, you were concerned that we were just going to be going through all the dogs in alphabetical order, or as I now refer to it as my dictionary of dogs. I called out the shift, is what I did. Ah, you did. Okay, and so don't go, don't go blaming me for now that they're, like you're doing me this favor by bringing me a dog story. I called out the shift. Your back went up, so now. Uh, you're doing this as a favor for me. And I appreciate no, that. No, but you had brought up at that last week. Called that out. You doubted my credibility when it comes to looking for sto- dog-related news stories. And I told you that most of the stories I've been finding recently have been about bad dog news that you don't really want to hear about in the first place. I don't want to hear about a dog being abused, a dog being killed, a dog being... I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Well, you're not okay. going to. Rescues. Physical rescues of dogs. Yes. Dogs perform. Calling physical rest. Okay. Our favorite. Those are those are acceptable? Absolutely. Okay, I'll keep, dog, that, I will keep that in mind for future reference. If the dog dies at the end of the story, I'm walking out. Well, you don't have to worry about this in this new story. Go ahead. This is about a research done at the Queen's University in Belfast that proved that dogs can actually detect when humans are stressed. They found that acute stress changes the compounds found in human sweat and breath, and that for these uh, experiments, dogs were presented with sweat and breath samples collected from human volunteers before and after they were engaged in a difficult math exercise. And the dogs were able to detect with a greater than 90% accuracy which samples came from before the stressful exercise and which came after. Uh, is first of all, did we know this? Like we knew this. Well, we always knew this, but it was never. They, I guess, they have, uh, haven't been able to scientifically demonstrate it. So bad, until now, bad breath and sweaty pits, and the dog can tell which is from before, which is from after. Yes, exactly. How do the dog? How does the dog know one is before and one is after? They would train the dogs. As to the different types, as to the different sweat or breast samples. My, maybe my So they would initially is... train the dog in that, a sample that contained pre-stress sweat and a sample with post-stress sweat. Okay. Now. What... So eventually they trained them and then they pre- pre- presented these samples and the dog would have to pick out the okay. one with the stress sample. I understand, I understand the, 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 the attempt, the, uh-huh. the, the experiment, I understand yes. the result. Okay. okay. I'm asking a more specific question, like, I want to know what command do you give the dog that it differentiates pre- and post-stress? That I don't know. I don't know what the training was involved in that. Because to me, that's like a very, uh, I believe that they could do it, I just don't believe, I, I, my question is about, it's not that I don't believe it, I, I wonder how they... Yeah, I'm not sure, but what they did, they used a machine and presented three samples to them, you know, three pieces of gauze. One was an unused uh, piece of gauze. That's nice. I like that. One contained um, a sample from a person under stress, and then the other sample contained a sample when the person was not under stress. Okay. And the dog was able to pick the stress sample. Right, right there. Yes. The dog was able to pick. Yeah. How? What do you say to the dog? Pre-stress. I don't know how they were trained. Yeah. That's that's know. that's what I'm wondering about this story. That's oh, okay. where that story led me. But anyway, this is now because duh, we know that already. Well, except we've always known this, but now they've been able to scientifically prove it. Yeah. Okay. But they said the only thing they ha- they the, the research does not reveal is whether the dog feels actual empathy when a person is stressed. Or is it just reacting to the stress itself? Identifying it. It's identifying. Yes. That's its job. Yep. Identify it. Yep. It's this one. Yes. There it is. Yeah. That's its job. That's it. I I mean, I don't think it has the... I I think a dog knows when you're not well and when you're not feeling well. Oh, it definitely does. Depending upon... But now they said they've been able to scientifically prove that now. Right. Okay. But the dog's response is identify the smell. Identify it. And that's it for the dog. Then the dog's done. The dog 
dog's happy. The dog, yes. I did it, then I do it, then I do it. The dog's not saying, oh, poor thing. You know, that's okay. not what the dog does. Okay. So, I, I don't know. I, what was the question? There wasn't a question. I was just relating this new story about this scientific oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this happened in Ireland. This happened in Belfast. In, in Northern Belfast, Ireland. which is sort yep. of like what I said. Yeah. Okay. In a, in a university. Yes. They spend money. Yep. Okay. On this. At least now that they, it's him. Now that they can say a dog then definitely sends on a person is stressed. Because now they've been scientifically proven. Because of the scent. I guess so. Because of the compounds that come out in sweat and breath. Yes. When under stress. Because we didn't know for thousands of years that the dog smells good. Like, he smells well. Like, he's good at smelling. Yes. Okay? He, yes. He, he could tell you if there's a dead body at the bottom of six feet of water. Yes. Okay? So, so we know that. We have that proof. Yes. I think money should be better spent. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think it's a ridiculous study. I think, okay, cool, yeah, we know. It's like, we know, we know, we know. We have scientific proof of the sunlight. We know. It's Arizona, okay? Well, we you know. should write to the Queen's University in Belfast and tell them they're wasting their money. Well, that's the thing. The fact that it was a university, did they, like, do it during class? Did they discover it during experiments in class? If that was the case, I don't then think that it was done different. during class. No, this was actual scientific experiments. Actual scientific experiments. Yes. Not to something done in class. Okay, and uh, all right. Okay. I'm struggling for the difference between... Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Go ahead. Well, no, now I'll move back to our Dictionary of Dogs, oh. and we're up to the letter E, and tonight we'll be talking about the East Siberian Laika. Okay, sounds hairy. Would you like to see a picture of it? Always. Don't ever ask that question again. It shows <laughs> that you don't listen, and that's disrespectful. This is the East Siberian Laika. That's a big dog. Right? It's a hunting dog. I uh, it is. Used for both hunting small and big game. They originate, of course, as their name says, from the Siberia region of Russia. They uh, are also used as sled dogs as well as hunting dogs. Uh, they grow to about 22 to 26 inches high. The females are slightly smaller. They are considered the largest of the Laika breeds. Laika. Yeah, there are supposedly about seven different breeds of, of Laika dogs. And what distinguishes Laika? Well, that, that doesn't look like a husky and it doesn't look like a German Shepherd and it doesn't look but it looks like all of them. Yeah. They don't really know the origins of the breed. They don't really they haven't been able to, to uh, discover that. But they discovered four sub-variants. Yes. There are, like, there are different variants throughout basically that area of Russia, okay. Ukraine. But this is considered one of the largest of the Laika breeds. Yeah, it looks like it get everything a 13-year-old could. It get done everything a 13-year-old could. Right. And its coat, it's a medium-long double coat with straight, coarse guard hair and a soft, thick undercoat. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. And the color of them varies, as you can see from the various pictures here. That's a pretty one right there. Right? That's one here? Yeah, I love that one. I love the leanness of it right here. Yeah, that's right? what like it. The flat back, but the kind of blunt. And, oh, that's that's a that's a husky looking one. Right, it's a, it's the same dog though, but yeah, but it looks you know quite heavier. Okay. And it's, and it's supposedly the course if you own them as a pet, they need a lot of exercise. Yeah, otherwise they get easily bored and will engage in destructive behavior. They will eat your mattress. Yes, exactly. But they are otherwise considered good and friendly companions. They he looks like a bubbler. They they all look you know I like that big sort of dopey. Yeah. I don't even say it's dopey looking. Strong. It's just a good, loyal looking dog. I don't know that dog could get dopey looking. Sorry. <laughs> they don't always stand in that regal 
But it's a beautiful looking dog. Yeah, nice, I mean, nice. Yeah, nice. just look at that. The coloring in that. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, and now it looks like then maybe is there some retriever in that dog? Or is it uh, Labrador? I don't know which one has the squarer nose. I don't know. Yeah, Pointy it's... ears is... That's kind of... That's, that's kind of weird. That's not weird at all. I mean, no, it, you know what I mean? Really. It's like, it looks weird on that face. Okay. Eh, looks normal to me, but hey, to each his own. It's a dog. It's a dog. So I think we're done with our uh, segment on uh, heavy petting, and we'll move on to your favorite segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. And you'll be happy it's only one birthday. And the person is still living. Okay. They were bo- She was born October 5th, 1923. She is 99 years old today. She was born in South Africa while her British parents, a pianist and an actor, were on tour in the country. As a child, she studied ballet and made her first ballet stage appearance at age 12. At age 13, she made her debut on London's West End. And at age 15, she made her film debut. She later played a variety of supporting roles through the 1940s and began getting leads in the late 40s and early 50s. In 1973, she was cast as Desiree Armfelt in the Stephen Sondheim musical Send in the Clowns on Broadway. Could this be Hermione? Nope. But she won the Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical. Hermione played the the mother of the the character. Of this character. Of this character. Okay. And the song Send in the Clowns was written specifically for this actress in mind. Okay. She's also remembered for playing Lady Penelope Peasoup alongside Rudy Valley's Lord Fogg on Batman. Didn't see it. She also played Diane's mother on Cheers. Hold on. Don't remember. Okay. And also, uh, in one of my favorite comedies, she played Kevin Spacey's mother in the film The Ref. Didn't see it. You, with Dennis Leary? I wouldn't have seen that. Oh, Dennis Leary plays this robber who ends up taking Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis hostage on Christmas Eve, and they're hosting a family dinner, and Glynis jo- and the, the actress plays his mother, and she's a horror. She is this mean and cantankerous old woman. Yeah. Okay, so, so, okay, so. Her last film appearance was in 1999. Her last stage appearance was in 1998. Yes, Glynis Johns. Her last stage appearance was at the Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor in 1998. What's she play? I don't know. Some play I had never heard of before. It wasn't like... I think it was like a Mrs. Cut. Lovett. No, no, nothing like that. It was some play called like a coffin in Egypt or something like that. Okay. But she currently lives in a retirement community in Los Angeles. She has been married four times. She only had one son who predeceased her in 2007. That's so sad. Right? Uh, okay. Glynis Johns. Glynis Johns. I love her. Like I said, you should definitely check out the ref. Yeah, so to Glynis Johns, we say. Happy birthday, Clintus Johns. The old bitch. <laughs> She's old. That's like 199 years old. I can't believe you don't remember her from uh, Batman, though. Batman, though? From Batman, though. From Batman, though. Okay. Who was she? Okay. Oh. You don't remember Lord Fogg when they were over in London? They called it Londinium. Okay, you have to You have to give me a Batman universe. I don't even know the TV that show. The TV show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. No idea. Wow. No idea. Pity. I'm sure. I've missed a lot of great television. <laughs> yes, you have. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. Yeah. She's another one. She died really like it's sad. Ninety nine years old. Well, she's still alive. No. Now I'm talking about I'm talking about Coal Miner's daughter. 
Okay, well, we're going to get to that one in a second. Oh, I, oh But okay. first, there was another death earlier in the week of someone that probably... Yeah, somebody died. So, most of our listeners have probably never heard of. Her name is Sasheen Littlefeather. Yeah, from the, the Oscars. Yes. What I did not know is her when she was born, her name was Marie Louise Cruz. Her mother was of French, German, and Dutch descent, and her father was of White Mountain Apache and Yaqui descent. And um, in 1969, she moved to San Francisco to pursue a modeling career and she began researching her Native American roots and she became an activist in the American Indian movement and she participated in the 19th month 19 month long pa- occupation of Alcatraz Island okay as a protest at the time she was also what a, year was that that, that was in 19 that was in 1969 it probably into the 1970s but she was a neighbor of Francis Ford Coppola and through him she met Marlon Brando who had expressed support for the American Indian movement as it was called at the time so when he was nominated for his role as Vito Corleone in The Godfather and the odds were pretty assured that he was going to win the Best Actor Oscar for it. He was fucking brilliant. He asked... And he did win. Yes, but he asked her to go up there and make the speech in support of the American Indian Movement and to decline the award. In his name. In his name. So, on that night, she goes up there, and Roger Moore and Lee Volman were the presenters for the Best Actor Award, and sure enough, Marlon Brando won. And she went up there, and she declined the award from Roger Moore, and she said, Hello, my name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I am Apache, and I am president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I am representing Marlon Brando this evening, and he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press after that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry and on television, in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. For those who don't know what Wounded Knee refers to, Wounded Knee was a uh, town in a reservation in, I think it was in North Dakota or South Dakota, and Indian activists in this movement basically took over the town and occupied it. Initially, it was a protest against the election of the, of the Indian Council, saying it was corrupt, but then it also turned into a protest of the U.S. constantly violating American treaties. So she continued, I beg at this time that I have not intruded Which upon this evening. Which they have done from Day one, by the way. Yes. Of course. No kidding. That's a whole... Please, I read a whole book, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. A whole book? It's a whole history about how the United States constantly violated its treaties with the Indians to take over the land. From the beginning. Yep. They didn't even try. Nope. Not really. So anyway, she made this speech, and to say public reaction was divided was an understatement. Many people were... Quite unhappy about it. Put off. They raised eyebrows. They were very put off. Yes. By uh, this behavior from Marlon. Right. Marlon could do something like that. But afterwards, she continued to be active in Native American political activism. So as a result, like, did they, what did they, she did, did she did, ah. Well, she shined a light on the issue. She did the speech. I don't care. What happened to her that night? She goes up. She says those things. Yep. Okay. And then... What happened to her? She walked off stage. Okay, so there wasn't like they. she was taken off, kicking and screaming. No. And Supposedly, though, they had things. said that she only has 60 seconds to speak, and if she goes beyond that, she'll be pulled from the stage. Okay. And then... But that was it. She finished her words, turned around and walked, or they started to play the music? No, she said her speech, I guess, in under 60 turned seconds. And, walked off. and she walked off. And some people had a problem with that. And some people applauded, and some people booed. Okay. And so today, we all just spent all this time learning about it. 
Yes. Okay. Yep. That's pretty something else. Yeah. I think since then. But what is that about? That's about Brando, though. That's not about this. That's girl. Brando's ego. And someone said, you know, if Brando wanted to send a message like this, he should have gone up there himself instead of subjecting this this woman to the to scorn to the public scorn that she was subjected to. You know. Yeah. Which she was willing to give up in name of her cause. Exactly. You okay. Know? Fine. I get all that, but it's about Marlin. Yes, but anyway, like I said, she remained active in political activism for the Native Americans. She also founded a Native American theater company in Seattle. How'd it do? I guess it's, I think it's still thriving today. Okay, what's it called? The, I'm not sure, I don't know how, didn't have the name of it. Okay. It wasn't available. But since she was young, she suffered from a variety of health issues, including intestinal problems, lung issues, and later she developed breast cancer, which metastasized into lung cancer. What you, uh, what you said as intestinal, mm -hmm. I might have heard as testicle. Okay, it was intestinal. Okay, but see, that's the risk you take with blabbering like you do, is you went on, you're going to read this. No, that's, to take, that's the risk you take when you drink bourbon. You sit, no, no. <laughs> Yes, yeah, always, always, always. <laughs> but anyway, she died this past week on October 2nd at the age of 75. That's, that's unfortunate. Yes, it is. She was a, a shining star in the Indian... Uh, in the Indian world. community. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And now we move on to our most recent decedent, and that is the first lady of country music herself, Loretta Lynn. Wouldn't you say that about Dolly Parton? No, the it's always been, it's always been said. It's always been well, said about Loretta Lynn. Well, who was the other Lynn. one that came before her? Patsy Patsy, Patsy Klein. Yeah, I don't uh, listen to that music. If you let me tell you about Loretta Lynn, you'll explain, you'll see why they call her the first lady of country music. Would you like to hear? No, I'd like you to do an episode of just you dry reading this stuff. <laughs> It would be like getting fucked using sand as lube. Ooh, that sounds kinky. Yes, well... <laughs> anyway, she was Dry. born 1932, Loretta Webb in Butcher Hollow, Kentucky, a coal miner's daughter. Her, she was one of eight children. Her youngest sister was Brenda, later known as... Crystal Gale. No way. Get out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't know that until I started researching this. I wonder if they spoke. I'm sure they did. Why? I don't know. Why wouldn't they? I don't know. It's more of a question. Like, why would they? Like, now this gets into the whole sibling thing, okay? Okay. <laughs> anyway, at the age of 15, she got married to Oliver Doolittle Lynn after a one-month courtship. Okay. 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 Olivia de Havilland and her sister. Yes. Joan Fontaine. Hated each other. Yes, we know that. That's an old story. We've discussed that previously. Okay. I'm trying to illustrate my point. Okay. Whereas, whereas siblings can hate each other, they don't have to get along. Well, when I said I wonder if they got along, you said, why wouldn't they? Have you ever heard of any stories about a spat between Loretta Lynn and Crystal Gale? No, but you know what I recently found out? Crystal Gale is Loretta Lynn's younger sister. Anyway... With her husband, they moved to the state of Washington, and they had six children. In, in 1953, her husband bought her a guitar, and after learning to play, she started her own band called the Trailblazers. In 1960, she cut her first record, I'm a Honky Tonk Girl. She went on tour, and by the time she reached Nashville, the song had reached number four on the country charts, and she was named the number four most promising country female artist that year. She was mentored by her best friend, Patsy Cline, who Patsy later died Klein. in a plane crash in 1963. But Loretta Lynn went on to become the number one female country music artist. Her 1966 hit, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, made Lynn the first country female recording artist to write a number one hit. Ain't that some shit? 
She wrote more than 160 songs and released 60 albums. She had 10 number one albums and 16 number one singles on the country chart. Wow. She won three Grammy Awards, seven American Music Awards, eight Broadcast Music Incorporated Awards, 13 Academy of Country Music Awards, and eight Country Music Association Awards. Uh, she was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in, in uh, 2008, and she received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2010, and received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama in 2013. What happened to the coal miner? Her husband? He died in 1996. No, her father. He died too. Okay. Anyway, here is Ms. Lynn's big hit, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man. I love that title. The lyrics are fantastic. Right. It seems like a dum dum da dum dum like a very but basic it's more than rhythm that. and chord circuit, but it, but it was the lyrics there. Yeah, yeah. It's what she brings to it in the in, that, the, in the lyrics. I like that. Cool. You could put a beat behind that and it would work. You know, you'd need some cutting. Yeah, just a little, I think. Yeah. Uh but yes, yeah, so thank you for the music, Loretta Lynn. Yeah. Bye girl. Bye. We now move on to our next segment. Today in History. Today in History on October 5th, 1513. Do you remember being taught in school about when about explorers? There was one named Balboa. Yes. Do you know what he was famous for? Okay, no. He is credited with discovering the Pacific Ocean or being the first Western man to define the Pacific Ocean. And that while, while, while he was crossing the Isthmus of Panama. But today in 1513, while he was crossing the Isthmus of Panama, he came across a community of these Indians. Indians, they were known as the Cueva Indians. But he noticed that about half of them, of the men, were dressed as women, because they were living as women. Okay. So he decided to sick his dogs on 40 of them for living oh as sodomites. Oh, dear. Yeah. He just, he just come upon these people. He don't know who they are. Nope. He don't know their life. Nope. And he sicks his dog on them. Yeah. Because they have men dressed and living as, as women. women. Yep. So he sicked the dog on that. Exactly. What was his name? His full name was Vasco Nunez de Balboa. Balboa. And the murders, or massacre, whatever you want to call it, was later depicted in engraving by a name named Theodore de Bry. There it is. There it is. Pretty lots of color. Yeah. Uh, sort of grizzly. Yeah, sort of grizzly down here at the bottom. Um, all right, it's a victorious somebody. Well, those are the Spaniards. Standing on the dead people, who I assume are the natives. Well, yeah. Or are they the specific... Well, the natives the are the ones being massacred by the dogs here. Ah. Uh, oh, oh, okay, I didn't see that as a dog. Okay. Yes, those right, are yeah. dogs. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's a sad day in history. Yeah, that'll bring it down. Right? That's like, you know, because like I said, we, all we ever heard of Balboa in school was, oh, he discovered the Pacific Ocean. Then it's like, oh, he wasn't such a nice man after all. We'll now move on to our next segment. No, uh, this day in history? Is yeah. Is that what we just were? Yeah. October 5th? Yes. About midnight? Well, it's not about midnight. Listen, yes. Just, just, 
just go with me here. Okay. Okay. October 5th, round about midnight to at night, okay, uh-huh. Matthew Shepard went to the bar. Oh, okay. That was on October 5th? On this night, he went to the bar. Okay. Okay. The murder happened on the 6th because okay. of the time, of the, you know. The timeline, yes. The time, okay. But uh, that day, uh, that event, this day, Google it, learn it, continue. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> Everybody should know that story. <laughs> yes, they should, but not everyone does. Well, that's why I interrupted your very anally scripted, tight ass, couldn't get a needle out of it with a plier <laughs> segment. Uh, to interrupt and make sure that that was noticed, uh, that that was mentioned. Okay, I'm glad you did. Okay, Matthew Shepard. Yes. God rest his soul. I take him with me all the time and I never forget. Good. Okay. That's a good thing. That's why I interrupted you. That's quite all right. So you pick it up now whenever you please. Yes, I am. Because we're now moving on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you play tell me? What day is it? Yes, today is National Get Funky Day. Oh, that was a good song for that. (laughs) Not really. I wouldn't call that a funky song. No, well, it's not a funk song. Right. But it's kind of funky. Well, National Get Funky Day was the day was designed to get people out of their funk, out of their ruts, out of their routines. And live a little that d- today, you We've know? We've done a Do couple of these, haven't we? What's that? Like these days. What do you mean? Like, hasn't this particular day... Yes, National Get Funky Day? Yes. yes. Being called something else a couple of times ago? No, it's probably just another day. No, I'm saying that... Never mind. We'll the, be, the, the whole get out of your funk or make yourself <laughs> feel better or sing to yourself or, you know, those kind of days in however you want to word them appear a lot. Okay. Is all I'm saying. Okay, well, thank you. Kind of a self-helpish feel. Ah. That sort of... No, you know what it is? It's that motivational poster thing. Okay. That annoys me. So... Hang yeah. in there, baby. Nah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, National Get Funky Day, I figure to, uh, for us to observe it is to celebrate some funky music. Funky music. So let's see if you recognize either the song oh, or the Jesus. artists here. This is awesome. Say that funky music, white boy. Nope. Oh, I gotta wait for the horns. I should have waited for the horns. The horns always, that's always a part of the funk. You don't know this. <laughs> I can't tell you how many miles I rose getting to this song. Oh my god. Now it sounds like play that funky music white boy. No, it's not. It's not it. Not even close. Oh my god. And now they're about to say the title. Of course, it's the chorus. Yeah. Can you name the artist? No. Sly and the Family Stone. No. Okay. <laughs> I do love that though. That's right? one of those things you you you, you it just moves the body. Like that's, you can't that's what sit it should there do. That's the whole purpose it. of funk is yeah. to dance. It's, you know, it's not, it's not even dancing. It's just you got to feel it in that place, and then you just. Well, here's here's another one. See if you. I don't know if you'll know the song, but you might recognize the group. <laughs> Same feeling. Oh, shit. 
That was Mighty Mighty by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I wouldn't have known Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> this one you should definitely know. Oh, I like this already. Superstition, mm -hmm. you have to know who the artist is. He's still alive. Stevie Wonder. Oh my god, shame on you. This one you have to know. This is a pop quiz I want you to know. I know. <sighs> I noticed you haven't played with Prince yet. by the Commodores. Jeez. This one you'll definitely know. I don't know this. Oh, yes, you do. Give it a second. Called Give Up the Funk, also known as Tear the Roof Off the Sucker by Parliament. Okay, see, now I I love this. I always did it, I always did. But I spent my time and my money on pop and show tunes. <laughs> see, you're missing a lot by I know, I know. Right? Think of how much of the classical music I'm on. Think how much fantastic fucking Irish hill people music there is <laughs> that I'm not hearing. That that the 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 yak farmers when they sit around the fire the music that they make and record I'm sure there's I'm sure I have it here in my collection somewhere uh, somewhere close <laughs> let's see if you know this one how long is this segment going to go on until I say so <laughs> it's good music come I know on. why complain <laughs> The OJs. I was going to say, I don't know who sang it. And since you asked about this... There it is. I don't even know this song. There's a reason for that. I always I got home. 
Prince. This actually came, this song actually was released last year. Okay. It's all previously unreleased material from uh, his vaults, of which there is like a shitload of material. And this was like, it was an album called Welcome to America. Came out last year. And the song is called Same Page, Different Book. Is the album written as an album? Or no. Is it it's, set, no it's, it's songs that they found. It's that songs they, they found that they put together. Okay. Recorded? What do you mean? Like he, him. It's all his recordings, yep. Okay. All music that he recorded himself, and of which there is a lot. I believe it. A lot. So, yeah, I think I'd throw that into the mix huh. for you. You got to. You talk about funk? Got to put a little Prince in. Don't call him that. What, Prince? Little Prince. I, I said you got to throw a little Prince in. That's what I'm saying. Don't say that. He what? was short. So were you. <laughs> that wasn't a comment on his height. I bet he wasn't bald. You'd know more about that than I would. You're not in public anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so here's the National Get Funky Day. Oh, is that what we're talking about? That's what we were talking about. That's why we were playing all this funk music. Okay. I thought maybe I was having a drug overdose in a, in a hospital. <laughs> Can I have well, which might as well lead us into our next segment, which is Turn Your Head and Cough. <laughs> And we have some news today concerning American mental health. Oh, here we go. In a I saw this myself. In a survey conducted by CNN and the Kaiser Family Foundation. Guess what, y'all? 90% of adults surveyed said they believe there's a mental health crisis in the U.S. today. We're all crazy. Did you need that news to come at you? No. Why? Because we're all crazy, and we all know it. And if you don't know it, you're not paying attention. We're all, yes. Asked to rate the severity of six specific mental health concerns, Americans put the opioid epidemic near the top, with more than two-thirds of the people identifying it as a crisis rather than merely a problem. And more than half identified mental health issues among children and teenagers as a crisis, as well as severe mental illness in adults. Uh, About half of the adults say that they have had a severe mental health crisis in their family in the past year. Uh, More than 20% of adults describe their own mental health as fair or poor. And a third of all adults said that they felt anxious always or often or over the course of the past year. Could you go back one? Yes. About about more more than one in five adults describe their own mental health as only fair or poor. Say it again. Slower. More than one in five adults. More than one in five. Well, so okay, that's still twenty percent. You said before. Okay. Describe their own mental health. Their own mental health as only fair or poor. Only five percent describe it that way. Yes, that seems. Well, no, 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 20%. More than 20%. 20%. Uh, That seems like a low number to me. Well, yeah, I'm sure some of them are underreporting. But also, about about 20% of the adult servants said they were often or always depressed or lonely over the past year, too. And major major sources of stress for a third or more of the adults included personal finances and current and political events. One in four adults also identified personal relationships and work as major sources of stress. And one in five adults admitted receiving mental health services in the past year. Also, data from the the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention shows that drug overdose deaths reached record levels in 2021, and suicide rates were at record highs after two years of decline. You're hoping somebody calls you, like, from ABC and asks you to read the news, don't you? (laughs) No. That's what you want to happen. Like, that would be the perfect thing for you. 
Because that's what you're like auditioning for. Oh, really? I like a newsreader. Like a like a newsreader. <laughs> On Patrick Finn, here now the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and so... And 60% of the grapes and 40% of the olives, and there were 15, 21.2% of the lettuce. And what happened was, no, that's not what I said. Anyway, it seems that most Americans think we're all going a little nuts. Yeah. I think it's a fair conclusion to make. I think it was obvious. Right? Thought we all knew that. So we now move into our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. And at the top of our list tonight, Donald Trump goes to the Supreme Court. On Tuesday afternoon, he went to the Supreme Court to ask the justices to allow the special master to review 100 documents marked as classified that were seized from his home in uh, Mar-a-Lago. Okay, I'm going to ask you to stop. Okay. Okay, I want you to go back to why he filed this lawsuit. Well, I'm I'm going to get, go back to that in the beginning. He filed it originally to have a special master appointed to review all the documents because he's saying some of that stuff that was taken, it was actually his. Okay, so I want this outside guy, and I'm going to pick him. Yes. And he did say... Well, no, he didn't pick him. They each side submitted candidates. okay. okay. The Justice Department agreed to the candidate, one of the candidates that Trump's attorney submitted, and that is the current special master. His last yes. name is Deary, a former judge. Yes, Judge Deary. Right. So, yes, yeah, so Trump I, didn't pick him. I always think there's a musical number coming. <laughs> Whenever I hear the, the, the news announcer say Judge Deary, I'm always excited. Judge Deary. I, I don't know, something. Judge Deary. Judge Deary. Uh, Don't you be my dearie judge. I, I don't. Well, anyway, what it happened? Won't you be my dearie judge would be better. Yes. Won't you be my... Yeah. That, that, that. When, they, when they adapt this for the musical, you can suggest that number. Um. Wait. Okay. Okay. Dearie judge. Judge dearie. <laughs> yeah. Judge dearie. Dear judge dearie. Oh, I like that. I like that better. I like Dear that. judge dearie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's work judge on that right dearie. now. Okay. Anyway, previously, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals had ruled that the Justice Department did not have to turn over the classified marked documents to the special master, and that the department could continue using them. Because? Because of the criminal investigation that was still going on. Not why they wanted them. They said, we don't have to give you this, because they didn't have to. It was theirs. They owned it. It was theirs. Well, stop. Right. But they were also, because the original Judge Cannon had withhold the documents from being even used in the criminal investigation. The leash is very tight, evidently. And then the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals overruled that. As they should have. But now Trump is asking that the justices now reinstate, reinstate the portion of the previous order, which allowed the special master to review the classified documents. So Trump wants this guy to see what the DOJ doesn't want to give up because it's classified. It's classified. Okay. So and of course, so he filed this petition with uh, Supreme Court Justice... Clarence Thomas. Okay. Because the, each of the Supreme Court justices are assigned to handle emergency petitions for the various federal circuits. Of which there are? Uh, th there are 13 circuits. And there are only? Nine justices. So some of them? Have two have two circuits. And it more. just so happens that? Justice Thomas has this circuit. Okay. So now he can either handle the emergency petition on his own, or he can refer it to the full court. Which we know he's not going to do. No, or he could. He just could. 
He could he well he could dismiss it no bat it away like a fly. He, he, could, he could dismiss it as, dismiss it as well. He could want. hear it and do what he does. He yeah. Could, okay. Or he could bounce it to one of the other ones, one of the other nine. He could ask them to do it instead. Yeah, but that's rarely done. Yeah, but it could happen. It's that's really, really rarely done. They're allowed and to he do wouldn't that. do that. Are you kidding me? No, I, you I think know he's he going to give up a chance to rule on something like this involving Trump, the man of the con- the judge with the biggest conflict of interest on the Supreme Court right now. You don't tell me. I'm saying, I'm saying that he uh, he has a he has an out. If he wanted to, if he wanted to allay any appearance of conflict of interest, being that his wife is in such a position that that he, he will show favoritism. Okay, if he takes it and follows along with what Trump wants him to right. do. Okay, but it is so outlandish and ridiculous that you almost have to push it away. He has the option of saying, "I'm too close." Here, Justice Plot Face. Yep. You look at this and you you do it instead. And whatever, but you'll be that. the judge in charge. You know he's not going to do that. No, but I want to claim that he could if he, it's an option open. Yes, to it is. It certainly is. But don't expect him to exercise that option. You don't have to say it again. Well, the Supreme Court began its first session this week, first Monday in October. Right, but you, didn't, you left us hanging where we were. What do you mean? In the other case. Well, because it hasn't been decided yet. We're no. all left hanging. No, but now he, what Thomas did... Yes. Because he happens to be in charge, says, okay, Department of Justice, these people are saying this, and he shows them the case, and then they have to respond to the case, and then he makes a decision. No. The Justice Department has until October 11th to submit a reply to the petition. Which is sort of what I just said, but go ahead. Yes, and then Thomas can decide how he's going to handle it, whether he's going to rule on it or whether he's going to refer it to the full court. Okay. So everything I just said that you said, no, you said that I said. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Whatever, Blanche. It was there. It happened. (laughs) Also this week, the Supreme Court reconvened on its first Monday in October for a new session with the newest justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, being seated on the court. And how she come out? Out of the gate. Well, yes. And that's what we're going to talk about because the Supreme Court heard this case concerning Alabama's elections, redistricting, and the Voting Rights Act. And what it is that the Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act bars election practices that result in a denial or abridgment of the right to vote based on race. Now, in Alabama, when they redrew the map, they redrew it for seven congressional districts, but only one was designed for a black majority district. In the meantime, blacks make up 27% of the population. In the How state. many districts are there in Alabama? Seven. There are seven, and the blacks got one. And they got one. And how many would they have had if they would just let the fucking math teacher divide the country up? Two. They They would would have have had at least had another district. Two of seven. Yes. But that didn't happen, so then voters had challenged the the map in court, and originally the, uh, the court of appeal, the circuit court of appeals, concluded that, yes, the map did violate Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Okay. But then in February of this year, the Supreme Court, by a vote of 5 to 4, put a hold on that decision. Okay. Basically saying that Alabama can use this map now for the twenty two the 2022 election. Okay. But in the meantime, we'll also put it on our calendar for oral arguments. 
arguments. Okay. So then I think it was either Monday or Tuesday that they had oral arguments on But wait, this. doesn't it sound suspicious that this is like the Supreme Court doing uh, uh, reviewing a case against the Supreme Court? No. That's what you just said. No, it's reviewing a decision by the Circuit Court of Appeals. Go ahead. So anyway, the state's attorney general is arguing that, that the justices should basically adopt uh, an approach to Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act that would allow the state to take a race-blind or race-neutral approach to redistricting. But then, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson spoke up and she said specifically that it was a race-conscious goal of the drafters of the 14th Amendment, which freed the slaves, to ensure that people who had been discriminated against were actually brought equal to everyone else in society. She goes, that is not a race-neutral or race-blind idea. But, unfortunately, based on the questions that were raised by the justices, and considering the current composition of the court, most people think that, that the court is going to stand by the state of Alabama and its redistricting plan. The only real question is how how far are they further going to gut Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act? Well, as long as we let them. Because it, it, otherwise, you're waiting for them to do it. How long is it going to take? How far are they going to go? How, well, when are you going to stop them? You stop When them? are you going to smack his hand and say, no, and make him go to bed? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, that this, this is... Un when it, if, if somebody doesn't stop them, then they're going to do it until... You're, you're hoping that they the goodness of their heart or some moral, some moral conviction that they spew in public, but he here they are in their country, and people are living like this, and why not that? Okay, so, yeah, if you're waiting for that to strike them and dawn on them and change their behavior, you'll be dead. You'll be dead long. Everybody you ever knew and everybody you ever saw is also going to be long dead before that ever is going to happen. But that was the Supreme Court's interpretation back earlier, a few years ago, when they gutted the other one of the other sections of the Voting Rights Act that required monitoring by the federal government of states that had previously violated, you know, voting rights. But then the Supreme Court gutted that. Yes, yes. So now they're afraid. And, no, and, and, and what, what happened to that? As a result of that, what happened? They got to this. To where we are now. And if something doesn't happen now, what's going to happen? Where they and we're also next? looking at the fact that the Supreme Court has previously ruled that redistricting decisions on redistricting should not be made by state courts. They want to basically try to take the whole decision out of all the courts' hands altogether. And put it where? The state legislatures would decide on the redistricting. Which is where it belongs. Um, well, in a manner of speaking, that's where it's done now. But what they're talking about is, and this is going to come up in another case later on in the session, the independent state legislature theory, which is this obscure political theory that says that because the Constitution says that state legislatures shall be responsible for conducting the time, place, and manner of elections, that means that they are not subject to any judicial review whatsoever, either by a state court or a federal court. Okay, stop. That argument to me sounds... Sounds like the people, um, uh, don't get saucy with me, Bernays. It's like those people saying, yeah, but... This I is had, an obscure... I had the It's an obscure legal theory that was brought up during the drafting of the Constitution. And it was promptly discarded. Whatever. And it's okay if you bring it up now, honey. But don't think that because you're able to do this particular thing with the Constitution and your own beliefs, that makes it so. Or that makes it legal. Or that the rest of us are committed to try it. Okay, so what the... If we're gonna... No matter how, No matter what it comes to what the law says and the law doesn't like gray no it doesn't so it's 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 it should be 
clear, but then you can argue on one side or the other, depending upon what kind of magician you are. But it's there. It's written. It's it, And now, now they can change it, and now the courts are going to back them up. Um, that's what it but looks like. that dividing up the states into, into congressional districts yes. should be, I would think it was already written, a state's job to do. Well, it is. State's it's right states. That's do. a state's or the legislature's response states to conducting the time, place, and manner of elections. So they decide all on the election districts. But there are always challenges saying that these were racially gerrymandered districts. Right, 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 right. Which, yeah, is disgusting. But this new that theory that's coming up in another case this term will state that you can't go to court and have it challenged. You have to just accept what the state legislature did. That the state court and the federal courts cannot review it. That's the theory that's coming before this court. And that's the theory that they're afraid this conservative majority is going to embrace. Okay. I can see that theory being valid. Why? Because you're going to rely on state legislatures. Hold on. To be fair in their redistricting. Before you Knowing the history daily. of redistricting in this country. Especially in southern states. And imagine if they were not subject to judicial review. We would still have, the, the, basically, the Confederacy as part of the Union. Without the slaves, of course. Just unequal status for black people. Okay. I forgot what I was going to say. Good. <laughs> okay, no. It seems to... No, I, that's not it. Never mind. Fuck okay. you. <laughs> it's such a lawyer thing. No, I'm just going to yell until you be quiet, and I'm going to yell until I can't think anymore, or I sense I'm losing the room, depending upon who I am. <laughs> Um, and then I'm going to let it sit there and now deal with that. Who said I was yelling? Okay. The police are outside. <laughs> you see that flashing red light? Maybe oh, my God. Oh, my. No, I don't, I don't even remember what the fucking topic was. <laughs> That's okay, because we are done with the segment of Take a Look Into My Briefs. We really should call this something like, Thank God He Has Short-Term Memory Laws. <laughs> like, that should be the name of the podcast. But you do demonstrate that quite short-term memory loss. Yes, absolutely. I always have. Oh my god! Which is probably why I have no long-term memories. <laughs> probably. We're gonna move on to our next segment, if you don't mind. Um, hold on, I'm not through. I'm not sure. Okay, we're already here. <laughs> yes, it's time once again for the week in fascism. This week in fascism. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, she's always a good one. Oh, she was a great one this past weekend. She was speaking at this Save America rally in uh, Warren, Michigan, where I believe Trump also spoke. But uh, when she was her time to speak, this is what she said. She goes, we're all targets now, though, for daring to push back against the regime. And it doesn't stop at a weaponized legal system. I'm not going to mince words with you all. Democrats want Republicans dead. And they have already started the killings. So I heard that. And my first reaction was, how has the House of Representatives not thrown this woman out for saying this, this shit? It, it's just the extreme of, you can, you can lie and you have no repercussions for it. How far can we go? Well, I was like, well, because the second part of the statement, she's like, they've already started the killings. And I was like, well, what is she talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Without, without evidence, how dare you? What does that even mean? How could you, why well, are you allowed? I researched it and found out what she was referring to. Please. The first incident occurred in North Dakota where a 41-year-old man admitted to fatally running down a teenager with his SUV. I remember this. 
The man, report, the man reportedly told a 911 dispatcher that he believed the team was part of a Republican extremist group and that people were coming to get him. But there was no evidence to support the claim that the team was a Republican extremist, nor that this incident involved politics at all. He just ran him over. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Then, in Michigan, a man shot an 83-year-old anti-abortion canvasser accidentally, who reportedly got in a screaming match with his wife. The man uh, said that he shot the woman by accident after he warned her several times she was trespassing and she refused to leave his property. Stop. I don't understand the casting here. You got the, the you got the anti-abortion person. Yep. She's so the one who shot. She he's the one who shot. No, she is the one who She's shot. She's the anti-abortion person. Yes, 83-year-old woman. Okay. And, and she's shot by this man, the husband of this woman who is engaged in a shouting match, supposedly, with the anti-abortion activist. Okay. So the old woman came on their property. Okay. The yeah. husband asked her to leave. Several times she refused to, and then he shot her. accidentally shot her. What state? This was in Michigan. Oh, uh, it's that's it's not one of those uh, stand your ground, hold your ground, shoot if they come on. My I property. don't know. I don't know Michigan state laws on guns. Yeah, but those those places exist. I think Florida is one of them. But anyway, the woman survived, and the whole thing is still under investigation. But it's a, it's unclear if the man was a Democrat or not. But this is what she's relying on when she's saying that they have already started the killing to kill people. Those two incidents. Yeah. Okay, and let's say she's right. Okay. Well, uh, it sounds to me like, have you ever heard of the Reichstag fire? Yes. Right. The Reichstag, for those who don't know, the Reichstag was basically the German House of Parliament uh, in the 1930s. That's when the Nazi was on, Nazis were on the rise to power. They were fighting against communists and socialists. And then this building, the Reichstag, caught on fire. And it was blamed on a man who was supposedly a communist. And it led then to the, I think, the banning of other political parties. So it was used as an excuse to further... Hitler and the Nazis' power. Right. And I think eventually that may happen here. Uh, everyone's just waiting for... What was January 6th? If not that, but a failure. Right? Yeah, well, that was. Well, that was a failed insurrection attempt. It was a failed insurrection. That's exactly what it was. But I think we're more concerned about other things, like political assassinations, attacks on state facilities or buildings, or federal buildings and facilities. It's going like to happen. That. It's always going to happen. It's Again, It's it's. there was something we talked about about four hours ago. Well, the FBI is determined that domestic terrorism is the number one threat in the United States right now. And we all know who it is. Yep. Yes, um, we do. Okay, so wait. Well, like I said, the, the, her, her saying this shit, that Democrats or want Republicans dead, she just is adding fuel to the fire. And they're killing them. And she's putting a target on Democrats' backs. Her proof is those two incidents. Yep, that's it. When asked to provide more evidence, <laughs> Mrs. Green responded with, Sorry, I'm busy getting divorced. <laughs> That ain't right. Going and bringing her personal stuff. Yeah, uh, too fucking bad. I'm all for. I don't really give a shit. No, she's a I, fucking I, fascist. I, she should be thrown out of the House of Representatives. She just keeps saying stupider and stupider things. I mean, she's declared herself a Christian nationalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you don't get more extremist than that. No, but. Uh, she represents how many people? <laughs> it's a congressional district in Georgia. I'm okay. not sure how many. I, I'm, what I'm saying is how many of it, on a meta size, how many people in the world are just like her? <laughs> Too many. How many people are just like her? But it's something that exists. You know, to just say too many or to just say, well, uh, you know, they're there, so this is the fact, so how are we going to, what are we going to do? I know. What's going to be the powder, what's going to be the powder keg that's going to set this off? Is it going to be if this upcoming election and if things 
don't go the Republicans' way, is that going to set things off? Is it going to be claims of another rigged election, you know? Uh, well, yes, it's going to be claims of another rigged election, and it's going to be starting relatively soon, um, because that takes... What what Trump was famous for is laying the groundwork. He's also obvious as fuck at it. Well, yeah... If I, if Trump doesn't win, the elections have been, it's a fraud, you know, from the beginning he was like that. Yeah. <laughs> so he like, great, he like lays that, and if I don't win, it's because somebody else is fucking around with me. And yeah, I did win that state, it's just that, you know, they're trying to tell you I didn't. Um, That kind of dangerous thing. I and, know. Uh, yeah. I don't know, it's, we're going into scary times. Anyway, we're going to move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. And I, what did you watch this I week? I finished Jeffrey Dahmer. Ah, and how did you like it? And first of all, I'm just really proud I got that in before you were able to give your usual snarky, let me guess, RuPaul. Um, <laughs> I so, was being yes, nice. I liked it very much. Good. Um, Nisi, her name is Nisi. Would you Nisi? Google web her name? Uh, Google web the cast of that series. And who was she? She played the neighbor, Nisi. Is her name, is her first name. I cannot remember her last name. It is the simplest of names. Uh, Nisi. Oh. Nisi Nash is the Nash. name. She played Nisi Glenda Nash. Cleveland, the next door neighbor Glenn, of Jeffrey Dahmer. And then, like I told you before, it was like, there was that episode that was uh, completely her. And from then on, I think, the series followed her instead of Well, I think it focused Jeffrey more on the victims. Dahmer. I mean, they showed more of the Filipino well, family. Well, I think that's what she represents. Family. All of them, their relationship right. together, him going, her going to that wedding, the uh, all, all of her even at the, you know, still, and I think that the, the the series itself took changed focus after her episode. Oh, I think even before that, I think the whole episode where they traced that one gay man, they traced him with his whole family, and you saw his whole background with his family. Right, right. That was oh, good. That was like that was episode six. It was good. It was, and you show what happened to him up to the very. End. I mean, and it was, it, it was full of good performances. Yeah, the performances around, are excellent in this. Uh, whether or not you think the subject matter should be discussed in any way is between you and you know whoever, whoever. But it's <laughs> you and your God. But it, it they made the series, and yeah, and. Uh, I think objectively it was it was well done. Yeah, me too. I think so too. Subjectively, I loved. It. I you know the serial killer, the naked hot boy. I mean, come on, what, what wasn't there to just dive into? I know it really was. I thought you know it was done in ten episodes, and I thought it was done extremely it was, it well. Was great. What else did you watch this week? What else did I watch this week? I watched something else. I watched RuPaul. Okay, there's a RuPaul UK going. Ooh, yeah, yeah just yeah. starting. Uh, yeah, just started. Two, okay, two, two episodes in, maybe three episodes in it's on I, I think for me I can see it on Hulu on Thursday oh whatever because we all get our television in independent ways right. now so it doesn't matter when I see it I know um, but this week I watched a really good movie starring one of my favorite actors of all time I can't wait to hear Mark this. Rylance oh I like Mark Rylance in this movie on Amazon Prime <laughs> called The Outfit okay and he plays made this, by Amazon uh, I don't know if they made it I don't I don't remember it okay. came out earlier this year but he plays this English tailor in 1956 Chicago and he Mark Rylance yes go ahead and he gets involved peripherally in the business of this mob family okay 
But then before you know it, things get more involved. Okay. And it's basically about him trying to stay alive and keep out of trouble and get out of all this. Yes. Okay. I don't want to say too much without giving anything away. What was the name of it again? The Outfit. The Outfit. And yep. why is it called The Outfit? Because he's a tailor? Well, he's a tailor, and also the mob family uh, is trying to join this. It's basically, they call it The Outfit. It's basically, it's the mafia. Uh, the five families. Get it. But instead, it's called yeah, the outfit. I get it. I understand clearly that. So, yeah, that's why it's called that. But Paul Olsen probably the allusion to him being a tailor as well. Okay. Although he calls himself a cutter, not a tailor. Okay. But Do they explain the difference? Uh, yes, they do. Between a cutter and a tailor? Yes. Do you know it? Yes. What is it? I'm not going to tell you. You have to watch the movie and find out now. <laughs> it's but the I, class everybody hated. Yes. Good. I'm glad. Anyway, it's a really good movie. It's a thriller. And it keeps you guessing till the very end as to what's going on and who's doing what to whom. I highly recommend. And like I said, it's Mark Rylance. The man. He's fantastic. The man's an acting god. He's fantastic. He really is. I just, I love the man. So yeah, big thumbs up to that. I also want to talk about this movie, Bros, that just came out. Go ahead. And what's been going on with that? Because there appears to be somewhat of a backlash. Number one, it didn't do well at the box office. And then number two, the creator of the movie, Billy Eichner, comes out with a statement basically saying, well, straight people didn't come out and see it. Um, which really doesn't help when that's the demographic you're trying to get to come see your movie. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question. Okay. How much money... Did the movie make in its opening weekend? The numbers, I don't know. I, I'm asking you to find out. You want me to find I out? I want you to find out. Okay. I How much money? Right now. It just opened. How much money? Before I say anything else. Okay. Um, this may be actually the first time this has ever happened. I'm going to wait and see what the answer <laughs> is before I go off like a crazy person. So Here we go. How Box much money? office. Box office. It was projected to gross... Eight to ten million dollars from thirty-three hundred theaters. The film went on and made a debut at four point nine million dollars, finishing fifth at the box office. Okay, hold on, stop. Okay. So this movie, this this thing that he's this epic thing that he's this his there. Let me finish. His thing only made four point five million dollars. So let's say 4. five. 9. Let's say five million dollars. Okay. Five. His movie only made five million dollars. Mm -hmm. Bitch, the gays didn't come see it either. No kidding. Nobody went to see that movie. So for him to say something like that. It's just maybe blabbing mouth. Is that what we expect from him? Is that the kind of thing? Uh, I still don't know who this guy is. Okay. I guess you've never seen his Billy on the Street segments then. If I did, would I know who he is? Yeah, you would. And you then I guess I had his, because I don't. Also, he was also on American Horror Story. I've seen that a couple of times. He was in the Apocalypse uh, uh, series. The Apocalypse. Oh, that may have been He was a guy caught at the airport and he, missed, and he missed the plane with the girl. The girl already took off from the plane and he stuck and left at the airport. Oh. And then he shows up later on at the, the place where they're being sheltered or wherever. Oh, oh, no. Oh, okay, no. I don't remember. Okay. But anyway, it's it's a romantic comedy you're releasing in October. People aren't going to see romantic comedies in October. What are people going to see? They're going to see scary movies. In October. In October. That makes sense to me. Right? It makes sense. And also, it's a gay romantic comedy. It's not... The gay dramas seem to do better. Brokeback Mountain Milk. All, both did well at the box office, you know? But this did not do well, because it's a gay romantic comedy. It's not a must-see movie. Whereas Milk and the other one, Brokeback Mountain, were considered like must-see movies. Based on... The performances, the, the scripts... Okay. The content. When 
would be the right time to release a gay rom-com. Uh, during, I agree with you. October's bad. During the winter holidays, February. Does anybody go to the movies or, the, or in mid to late summer. I'm thinking spring. Really? Mid to late summer? Yeah. I'm thinking spring. Mm-hmm. Do they make spring movies? Yeah, they do. They release movies all year long. I don't know. It just seems like if, if the movie uh, was going to attract an audience, it would have attracted an audience. And as far as we know, your your movie attracted an audience um, and you made four point five 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 we agreed on five five million dollars. Yeah. That's what your movie did. You mouthing off? Did it. I mean, he mouthed how, off how he mouthed he? off before the movie opened, which we discussed on people saying stupid things. Okay, I'm gonna, I may have to go back and look at that, that was when he's basically saying, well, my movie's going to be different. It's not going to be like those run-of-the-mill movies like you see on Netflix. For which he was referring to the Fire Island movie. The Fire movie. Island movie. And how did the Fire Island movie do? Uh, well, it was on streaming service, but it was very popular. Okay. So Bill's got a hair up his ass because his movie didn't go well. Basically, yeah. Okay, his gay movie didn't go well. He's yeah. not making any of us look good or feel good. Billy, nobody went to see that movie. You can't blame it on Strady. You can't. You can't, you know? I think, like I said, it was just... I, I didn't go see the movie. Did you go see the movie? Nope. I didn't go see it. I haven't been to the theater in God knows how. Oh, man, well, that's true too. Let's, you know? let's be honest. Let's be upfront. But uh, and I have heard people say they love it. And very interestingly, your husband said to me, "Everybody who's my age, yes, they love it. They think it's fun." And the younger, the younger, the younger people don't seem to like it. And I, so there's a big generational divide, which incidentally has never happened before in the history of humanity. I so know. how do we deal with this? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, take it from it what you want. I know. Whatever, bitch. Yeah. Ain't my problem. Ain't my movie. Ain't, ain't, ain't my circus. <laughs> ain't my monkeys. Exactly. Or is it the other way around? I don't remember. I could never remember that one. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. God, huh? Karen, you are so stupid. Yes, it's time for people saying stupid things. Okay. And we've got a lot of them this week. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, first up on the list is... Elon Musk, uh, who decided he was a diplomat, and he tweeted a peace plan, writing, Here's my plan, basically. Redo elections of annexed regions under UN supervision. Russia leaves if that is the will of the people. Crimea, formerly part of Russia, as it has been since 1783. Until the mistake. Parentheses, until Khrushchev's mistake. Close parentheses. <clears throat> Water supply to Crimea assured. Ukraine remains neutral. So basically, he wants... That's what he wants. That's what he, he wants to basically give Russia all what yeah, it wants yeah, in the yeah, first yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> and never mind that war that we just had six months doing. Right, yeah, never mind the never war, mind the that, never mind the, the invasion. The fucking, you know, stress, people, uh, never mind that, just go back to the way things were. Yep. And everybody shush and sit down for a second. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yes. This guy. Yeah, yeah, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. He's Tesla. Yep. Okay. He should stick to what he knows. Well, hold on. I just want to, like, in my head, because it seems like an awful lot of time and space is given to this man. And I want to know if it's based on anything outside of... The fact that he's one of the richest men in the world? Exactly. Because none of it is about Tesla. None of it is about... It's all about these other things that he's... Who the fuck cares what this rich guy, but, but not even, he's just a loudmouth, he's just a blabbermouth. The fuck does anybody care about, is it just because of his money that I'm seeing so much of him? My opinion on, is he's just disgusting. Yeah, that's the way a lot of people feel about it's him. It's just disgusting. It's, you know, well, to Elon Musk we say, Stupid! You're so stupid! Indeed. So stupid. This is why I believe in the First Amendment, because... 
eventually everybody speaks and reveals themselves. Yes, exactly. They always do. That's why I, I, I don't like censorship. But what's funny about this, I, I went to go look up when he was talking about Crimea, formerly part of Russia, as it has been since 1783. As only you Under Khrushchev's mistake. Well, I went to go look what happened. What happened? In 1783, the Russian Empire defeated the Ottoman Empire which was basically centered in Turkey. Right. And they took over the Crimean Peninsula from the Ottoman Empire. The spoils of that war. Then, in 19... Um, now, prior to that, in like the 1600s, the Cossacks, who were based in central Ukraine, signed a treaty in which they pledged their allegiance to the Russian Tsar. Okay. So then in 1954, on the anniversary of the signing of that treaty... Okay. Khrushchev and the Soviet Union ceded the Crimean Peninsula to the what was then the Soviet Republic of, of Ukraine. Ukraine. Then, of course, in 1991, uh, the whole Soviet Union collapsed. All these countries became independent countries, including Ukraine. And it still claimed the Crimean Peninsula uh, until, of course, Russia took it over and annexed it in 2014. So that's basically what Mr. Musk was talking about. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I don't it, know why. We, my question is, who gives a fuck what he Why? Uh, who gives a fuck why, what he has to say? Who gives a fuck what I have to say? I know. Who gives a fuck? Unless he's not affecting policy. He's a he's a he's a he's a fat, soft white guy with a shit ton of money, and that almost in itself should mean he keeps his mouth shut. Yeah. Just for basic sh like shame. You oh never, God, you, there's the Catholic. You never hear Warren Buffett going off like this. Oh my this. God. Could you imagine Warren Buffett going off like this? Never. Even, I gotta say, Oprah, and you know Oprah's got oh, <laughs> all the money. Of right? Yeah. It's you never just, hear Bill Gates going off like this. Isn't he dead? Oh no, the Apple guy died. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. yeah. That's years ago. Please. Is, is Bill Gates, hold on, hold on. Is there a divorce here? They were already divorced. Recently. Well, I think like last year. His first marriage? I don't know. I think it was. I want to say Marianne, but I know it's not the case. Okay. Anyway, can I move on to my next candidate for people saying stupid things? I'm fascinated by these billionaire divorces. The next one is Ye, or is it pronounced Ye? The artist formerly known as Kanye West. Oh, probably Ye. Well, anyway, on Monday, he had his um, showcase at the Paris Fashion Week of his new... Yeezy line. Nice. And he went there wearing a shirt. The front of it had a picture of John, Pope John Paul II. And on the back of it, it said, White Lives Matter. And then some of the models in the catwalk of his show also wore uh, shirts with the same message. And then the next day, he posted on Instagram, Everyone knows that Black Lives Matter was a scam. Now it's over. You're welcome. Okay. I, have, I was aware of this peripherally. It passed in front of me at some point. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know. It's like, what is wrong with you? Well, we know he has mental health issues. But I'm not sure. Is this the mental health issues? Is this just him looking for attention for his fashion line? Whatever it is. Why can't it be? It's not helping. Joke? Why can't it be the truth? Is it not helping because it's... White Lives Matter on the black on the back of a black guy. Yes, I understand what those implications are and how it how it kicks up the dust. Yeah. Okay. Which is basically, let's be honest, yay's uh, hope. Yeah. Okay. My question is, what does the Pope? Why does the what's the what's the Pope? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he had that on his shirt with the Pope on the front of it, a dead Pope on the front of it. There isn't. There must.
must be an obvious red because that you know that him showing up for his fashion show at his blah blah blah, blah him 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 everything he wears everything he's everything everything well he gonna, showed up and he addressed the audience mm-hmm. and one of the things he says is like I am yay and I am the leader okay it's like wow okay you are off your meds let's say he meant like the team of designers and pattern makers and seamstresses and models and uh, people I, wa- I watched the whole speech he gave to the audience okay. it, it wasn't, wasn't that, that. It no. wasn't that okay. it was just this it was hard to follow at times okay <laughs> I'm a fashion designer. Sometimes our members of Congress are representations in what you call your federal government. They're embarrassing and hard to watch too, uh, many a time. But this was really cringeworthy. Oh. So, the Kanye, we say, Stupid! You're so stupid! And, oh, well, not lastly, but we have, of course, Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker. Oh, this thing is going down bad. Which we know what's been going on this past week. He was basically reported to have paid for an abortion. There is evidence that some sort of substantiates these claims. He, of course, has denied it. But then his son, um, Christian Walker, came out on Twitter. Who, you think he's gay? Oh, yes, he is gay. We're going to get to more about is he him out? in a second. Yes, he's out. Okay. How old is he? Uh, I think he's in his 20s. Okay. But anyway, he came out with these... Uh, on Twitter, basically blasting his father for being a liar about all this stuff, you know, for basically abusing his mother and forcing the family to move six times because of the threats of violence. Four children from four women. Yeah, he brought all that up also. Never raised any of the kids. I'm familiar. So anyway, Herschel Walker goes on the tour of Fox News Channel. And I guess he goes on the morning show and he's questioned by Fox News himbo Brian Kilmeade. Okay. And Kilmeade says to him, talking about his son Christian, saying, well, he's doing tremendous damage to you by coming out with those statements. Do you know why he's saying this? And Walker says, well, the damage he's doing is letting people know that the left will do anything, whatever they can, to win his seat, to win this seat. His son gained fame for being a pro MAGA supporter of yes. Donald Trump. He describes himself as a free speech radicalist. And in 2020, he led a Gays for Trump march in West Hollywood. Okay. So this is hardly what I would call a member of the left. No, not at all. But your dad just threw you under the bus. Wait. On national TV. What? How? He said, he said, well, the damage he's doing is letting people know that the left will do whatever they can to win this seat. So he basically is mischaracterizing his son and threw him under the bus. By calling him a leftist. Yes. All right. Oh, okay. It, it, just, just, seem, goes, it just doesn't seem like the salient point to me. Like like they're snipping back and forth at each other. Like, you know, a teenager or a 20-year-old does with their father. It's a story thousands of years. Man, the tale as old as time. I know, but okay. it's... You so, threw your son under the bus. Um, you could have just said, hey, my, my son and I, you know, disagree on this issue, but I love my son no matter what. And what did he say instead? He said this. Tell me again. Well, the damage he's doing is letting people know that the left will do whatever they can to win this seat. Okay. Doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. Okay. Has he stated anything since then? Because Christian, I got to tell you, Christian went off. Christian got a, a big boost of popularity and a big boost of probably testosterone and power and go for Christian. I don't 
Uh, I, I don't agree so far at first glance with his politics, but I did love this video. Oh, the video was like, wow. You know what? Can I tell you what I think this is? Whether or not it's a plan or just a, a result, this is the... He's being sacrificed. Now, he's a stupid, disgusting man who never should have blah, blah, blah. He never should have... Uh, and a candidate and, uh, okay, in the first place and who was guarding the gates and, and the whole thing. and the whole, But he will be the sacrificial lamb. He's 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 black. It's the South. Uh, the, the Republicans, as a party, I think will let this one disintegrate. Although, Donald Trump... See, that's the problem because Donald Trump appointed him. Well, he didn't appoint well, him. Well, you know the word. Uh, he, endorsed he endorsed him. him. Fine. Uh, Donald Trump endorsed him, so it will be a blow to Donald Trump should he lose. Yes. How invested are the Republicans in this? Or is it better for them to just let this one go? From, and From what I understand, they're rallying behind him now at all this. The Republicans? Yep. They're standing behind him. Are they... Are they explaining anything? No. That would be awesome. Well, you heard on that interview he gave, we saw on the news earlier tonight, where he said, like, oh, he's redeemed himself. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, how did you redeem yourself? What did you do? And what from? Yeah. Oh, did, 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 did you just ask God for forgiveness and yeah, now yeah, you're, yeah. Well, you're that's saved? How, that's how it happened. It's just, yeah. He, Are like, you alive in America today? What? Are you alive in America today? What does that mean? It means, yes, you can just say, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior, and BAM! Your sins are forgiven by the Republican Party, and by evangelicals, you mm -hmm. know? And and so it should be by everybody. Although in Trump's case, he's never asked for, never <clears throat> said he's been redeemed, and he's done plenty that's contrary to Christian teaching, but... Evangelicals don't seem to mind. No, no. Why is that? What? Is, I don't know. I guess he goes. Now they got abortion outlawed. Now that's why. Uh, now we're gonna go after the queers and their marriages. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. You're three feet away from me. I know. I'm like a Memorex commercial sitting. <laughs> anyway, to Herschel Walker, we say stupid. So stupid. Yeah, it doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah. In Michigan, there's a governor's race from. Uh, there's a uh, governor's race going on. In Michigan. Yes. And it's between Gretchen Whitmer. Okay. She was the Republican. She's the Democratic candidate okay, who's no. holding office. Okay. I'm not aware. And the Republican candidate is a woman named Tudor Dixon. Okay. And I guess she doesn't have a lot of money on her campaign, so this local Republican party in the state decided to do their own campaign ad. Would you like to see it? Yes. It's a beaut. I'll play it for you right now. Hey, have you seen the TV ads with the governor talking about the great things she's done for Michigan? She's a liar. Whitmer can say what she wants, but we live here. Just look around, man. During COVID, Whitmer locked down businesses like the Owasso Barber and put one woman from Holland in jail. Oh, yeah. 3,000 restaurants closed. And she's pro-business? Yeah, right. And what about those higher gas and food prices? Our schools were closed for almost two years. Poor kids. Speaking of kids, Whitmer says she's going to work like hell to keep killing babies. And she put COVID patients in Graham's nursing home. Graham died alone. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm voting for the other chick. What's her name? Tudor Dixon. Okay, let's roll. Watch out for potholes. Whitmer never kept her promise to fix the damn roads. <laughs> and for those of you at home who have not seen this video, they're all dressed in what you would consider senior citizen motorcycle gang regalia. Middle-aged white people. <laughs> 
redneck vests, jeans, boots. That is one of the funniest. They're everywhere. Now, what I'm saying is, oh my god! If if it's, I think it's that intent. I think it's genius. I think it's so funny. I think it's like when he turns to the camera. Graham died alone. Graham died alone. And then in the next two cuts, he was crying because of it or being comforted because of it. Like somebody with a sense of humor did that. No, this is done with all sincerity. But it was if it was released as a campaign ad, I think uh, it's fantastic. Tudor Dixon wrote. She even commented on. It, she's like, these great folks know exactly what Gretchen Whitmer has done to all of us, thanks to the Gratiot or whatever how you pronounce it, Gratiot County GOP for this video. Okay, so now who made the video? This local Republican party, the Gratiot County Republican Club, and they're honestly supporting her. It's not like yep, the gays doing it. Nope, story. nope, nope. Nope, they honestly support her. Then I think it's... I don't think you're expected to take that. It was like a Christopher Guest thing. <laughs> I, it, I know, it's it so bad. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, though. Oh, my God, that was just, that was a riot. So, to the Gratia County Republican Party, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! Uh, this session went way too long. People now, to shut up. Julie Andrews, please take us away. Oh, Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Yes, it's time once again for five faves. It's when she does things like more, where it's a really rounded, full tone, and then she, at the, uh, fave, it, it's, 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 um, tight, and, and, oh, God. <laughs> Every time you play it, I'm like, Julie Andrews is tight. <laughs> things. Ah. To go from more to things, to me, it, uh, her enunciation is perfect. Okay. Her breathing is perfect. Yes, it is. Um, I'm amazed at the qualities of her voice. Yes, me too. Anyway, for five faves... I'll throw down for this. You don't understand. I will waste tape. And you know tape is money. Yes, we know. How much tape are we using? A lot. A lot of tape. For today's five faves, since we have did our favorite film villains or film heroes uh, that's where we go, today we're doing our television show favorite villains... Non-animated and non-superhero powers. Okay. So, so who do you have first on your list? There's going to be a pause here because I have to get into my phone. Okay. And then I have to go to my Google search. Gus Fring. Who the hell is Gus Fring? Gus Fring owned the chicken store. In what television show? In um, uh, Breaking Bad. Ah, I did not watch Breaking Bad. He then ha he housed a beautifully luxurious, up-to-date, sci-fi, spooky kind of superhero, kind of not superhero, like uh, like a spaceman. Okay. Okay? Kind of a method, um, a meth-making operation. Okay. Okay? And, but he, he, he was a villain. He was bad. He okay. He was really, really, really scary. Um, Oh, man, I'm really bad. Okay, Did cool. terrible things. I remember him. Excellent. Okay, that's number one. My number one is Alexis from Dynasty. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> Joan Collins. Oh, I love that one. The best female villain 
One of the best villains uh, ever on yeah. TV. For those of you who don't know, Dynasty was a primetime soap opera popular in the uh, 1980s. Yes. Led to a spinoff uh, called everything. The Colbys. But Alexis was the ex-wife of main character Blake Carrington, played by John Forsythe. And she was constantly having battles with him and with his current wife, who was played by Linda Evans. And all this drama went on, and she had all these... Fabulous outfits. Mm. She got married like five times to other men on the show throughout the series. Mm -hmm. And she had the most amazing lines, too. <laughs> yeah, she was the bitch ex-wife. Come yeah. back and cause trouble with the new wife. There's always a slapping scene. Yep. I mean, it was it, if there was if you knew that Dynasty was gonna have a slapping scene. That, oh, if you knew there was gonna be a fight scene between her and uh, Crystal, that, for, uh, you, yeah, you had you to watch. You went to the bar. Yeah. Yep. You had um, to watch. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Who's next on your list? J.R. Ewing. J.R. Ewing. Good choice. I have, wow. to, I have to be perfectly honest. Now yeah. with the power of all mankind in my hand. Yes. Um, You've never watched the Dallas. I didn't ever watch Dallas. Then you can't choose him as a villain. But but I knew what it was. It fits all the criteria. And I wanted to do John Collins. And you did it instead. So I'm going with J.R. Because he deserves the spot. Okay. J.R. For those I, of you who don't know, no, J.R. Ewing. That became Ewing. a cultural thing. Yes, it was played by Larry Hagman on the other primetime soap opera called Dallas. And a big event in the show was when J.R. Ewing was shot. And the whole summer was spent wondering, who shot J.R.? And it became a whole big cultural phenomenon. Click a, a classic cliffhanger. Yep. Yes, it was. And that took over. It was t-shirts, and it was hilarious. It was just this big thing. Who shot? And people couldn't wait. I didn't watch, so I didn't care. And still, I, I, actually, I didn't watch Dallas, but, I, but, but I still knew what was going on. You it's know? that Western thing. Well, you couldn't, that was the point. You couldn't escape you, it. You couldn't and not know what's going on. It was yeah. there. It was everywhere. Right? Who shot JR? Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's, that's my second one. All right. My second one is Newman from Seinfeld. That's a good one. Right? Newman is like the villain who always loses in the end. I can't remember him ever winning against Jerry. And he was played brilliantly. I can't think of the actor's name right now but just a great comedic villain character without a doubt yeah right hilarious you hated him of course you hated yeah, him but you also laughed him. at him too no funny as fuck right but yeah you hated him who's next on your list okay according to my my google results <laughs> Uh, Sensei Lannister. I can stand behind this one. Sensei, Sensei, Sensei Lannister. You watched Game uh, of Thrones. Game of Thrones? Yes. You watched And you it? know what? She got her... Uh, I did. And can you tell me who Sensei Lannister was? Yes. She was the one who was having the affair with her, with her brother. Okay. So you did watch the show then. Just making sure. Did you? No. But I knew always what was going on in the show. Somehow because information just finds its way into your head. Because I would read about it. Because you would read about it. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to play it anymore. You want to know who's next on my list? I really don't. Louis De Palma from Taxi. Okay. Played by Danny DeVito. For those of you who don't know, Taxi was a 70s comedy show. It takes place in a taxi cab company. And Danny DeVito played Louis De Palma, who was the dispatcher for the cab awful. company. He was awful. And he, he was, was awful. just awful, awful, awful. Yeah. And funny as hell. Yeah. It just a brilliant performance by Danny DeVito as his character. All of that show was that show was full of really, really good. Oh my god, whole great cast of that. Yeah. Really is. And like he he was truly one of the standouts. The other day I was laughing at what does a yellow light mean? Oh, the whole Reverend Jim scene when he goes to get his driver's license. That's one of the best scenes ever. Yeah. 
But yep, he's number three for me. Who's number four for you? Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns? No, uh, we said not animated. Oh, we can't do animated? No animated, now, sorry. Now, said we said... So we were going to do animated, I was going to list bars bad enough. But I oh. said, nope, let's keep animated out of this. All right. Oh! Hmm. Livia Soprano. Okay, good choice. Good choice. I like that one. Yeah. Yep, Tony Soprano's mother. Was awful. She was hell. Oh, my God. She was hell. She, she ordered a hit at her son, for God's sake. You couldn't wait for her to die. You, like, rooted for her to die. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, she was awful. She yeah. was. She so, was yeah, really Olivia. awful. And who played her? Because she was so fucking good. <clears throat> Didn't the woman who played her die not soon after the filming ended or something? I forget. Some, some, I forget. Because she was on there for like a couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm try- uh, Nancy Marchand. Okay. Uh, until oh, okay. Tra- Nancy Marchand, of course. Until she was, her she, tragic I always remember her from Lou Grant. In 2000. She played the publisher of Lou Grant. 22 years ago with J.R.U. and I used. Go ahead, your number four. I'm My sorry. number four is, you mentioned the name before, Ben Linus from Lost. He was the leader of The Others. And at one point he got captured by the main characters and he basically played mind games on him. You didn't know what to believe from him or anything. He was a master manipulator. And I forget the actor's name who played him. It was a brilliant performance. What was his Good name? villain. Uh, ben. 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 Was he hot? No. Too He's bad. also on the show. Do you, do you watch the show uh, Evil? No. Okay, about the uh, priest and the psychologist uh, tr- going after satanic-related phenomenon and no, stuff. No, but it sounds like oh. I would get it. Plus, the same actor is on that show as well. You still don't know his name. No, I can't think of his name. Fake news. Can I go on my number five? <laughs> no, no, no. We got more to that. Who's near number five? Are you having a stroke? No. You haven't given me number five yet. Joffrey Baratheon. <laughs> Game from, of Thrones. From Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones. Yeah, he was a little prick. He was a bastard. He was awful. He died the perfect way. Oh, my way. God. His death, he was, that death was justified. He was, he was awful. Death was justified. Awful. And I'm glad it was Diana Riggs' character that killed him. <laughs> it, it was, he was, he was just an awful character. And yeah. I loved, I loved him. I thought he was hot. Well, I wouldn't say he was hot, but. It, he was hot. He was, he was, <laughs> uh, that whole cold stare thing. Yeah. I don't know. It, it. It works for me. Okay. There's an arrogance there, that, that bad boy arrogance that yes. I just find attractive. Yeah, irresistible. <laughs> so and that was that was that character in Spades in Toga where wherever the fuck where were they? They were in like wasn't that Greece or somewhere? Where did that show happen? What show? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones I don't remember. Somewhere like North Europe, whatever. I don't know. Right, 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 right. There was the wall. Yes. I don't know. I didn't watch the show. And the frozen people on the other side. Anyway, for my number five, I went with the Klingons from Star Trek. I almost went with the Borg, but I was like, no, I gotta go with the Klingons. They were the original villains of Star Trek. Had to go with them. And they were great villains, you know? I couldn't just pick one of them. I agree with your choice. Thank you. And I agree with your justification. Thank you very much. I'm willing to agree to anything to get me the fuck out of here. (laughs) I keep eating these cookies. I keep drinking this wine. I, I have to go. You have to go? My okay. Health, my health is at stake. Oh, I bet it is. We now move on to our final segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old game and gripe of the week. And what's your gripe this week, Thomas? The weather sucks. Yes, agreed. The weather does suck. We have had five days of either just cloudiness and cold and dampness or rain. No. And it's just been miserable. Yeah. It really has been. So I will definitely concur in that gripe. Yeah. 
Definitely a worthy gripe worth mentioning. Now, it's the fall. Yes. So it's like a fall rain. It's not really cold yet. No, it's not like that cold freezing rain. Rain. Wind as you get. But it's not that sort of fabulous soaking summertime. This is going to no, be gone in five minutes. No, not like that warm summer rain. No. no it, this it, is the kind of rain that still gives you a chill rain. in your back. It's you know? rain. It's just damp and ugh, just, just crap out. Yeah, it's part of the fall, but uh, it, it's still inconvenient. I won't even take Abigail out in this weather. She hates Fuck it. That's, but that, I'll be honest with you, that's my whole problem. Because I hadn't really needed... To leave the house for the last couple, for the last day or two. So yeah. it rained only when I took the dog out. Of course, right? Of course. It's always so. Rain. And he don't like the rain. And he's so, he's like, blah, blah, blah. the dog is inconvenient with the rain. So that was a big part of it. But yeah, the, it's, the weather sucks right now. Well, yeah, it does. It so that's my does. gripe. I will agree Nothing with you on I that. Nothing I can do about it. Nobody gives a My gripe is about people peeing in public. The other night, we go to 7-Eleven, so Stephen go buy cigarettes, and he gets online, and there were these four gentlemen ahead of him, and while Stephen was in the store, I guess they had asked if there was a bathroom in the store they could use, and the guy at the register said, no, there's not. So they exited the store, and Stephen, I can see, was still inside, because we're parked right in the front of the store, and I see one of the guys go around the side of the building to go pee, and then he just walks away, and Stephen comes back to the car, he's like, what are you looking at? I'm like, watch in a second. And he sees a guy coming around, he's like, did he just pee? I'm like, yeah. That's exactly what he went just did. And I'm like, what the fuck? That you're just peeing out? You think it's perfectly okay for you to just pee out in public like this? When we were kids, if we had to go pee, we would go try to run somewhere in the woods if we had to go pee outside for some reason. We didn't want anybody seeing us. Now people just don't seem to care. They just, I gotta go pee. I'm gonna do it right here and in public then. And I was just like, what the fuck? Okay. That's my gripe. Okay. Um, I have to say something. Yes. I'm supposed to say something. <laughs> the problem is, at any time between 1984 and n- now, yes, you might have found me peeing out in public. <laughs> that exact... Uh, but when you did it, did you do it in a way that you would be seen by the public? Well, no, of course not. You would go you behind the You would go look for a place where you wouldn't well, be seen. I wouldn't be seen. But if I'm, on, if I'm on a fucking... If I'm at a 7-Eleven who just told me they don't have any place for me to pee on a Hempstead Turnpike, uh, and I gotta pee, you know, those moments you have to pee. You can never... You could never... Uh, deny that somebody didn't have to pee that bad because we all have had to pee that bad. They could have walked right across the lot to the McDonald's next door. Maybe you have never like and you had to that bad. No, okay. So these these people went around the other side and they peed behind the building and you caught them. Saw them just out. I mean, they like said they didn't make any attempt to try to hide themselves. I okay, was, I'm like. Paint on the building. It's like, what the fuck, people? I mean, this is what we're reduced to now? We don't even give a shit anymore? So he didn't even bother to go, like, uh, in the woods or, like, like in the in the brush behind no, the building? No, he didn't try to go behind a dumpster or anything. No, just... Did he do it on the window? Like, where did he do no, it? No, it was on the side of the building. It was a brick, a brick side to the building. Okay, but was it lit? It was day... It was still... It was, oh, it was, it was day- still daylight? Oh. Actually, it was. It was still daylight. It was still... Early. It was around 6, 6.30. Yeah, it was around 6, 6.30 when that happened. It was still daylight then. Well, people have to pee at all times of day. Come on. There are so many places you can find a fucking bathroom. Come on. It just it was it's disgusting. So that's my gripe of the week. Okay, and it was a good one. Thank you. This brings us now it's to just that I have been guilty of that. Like, oh my god. My friends when we would in young and in teenagers in cars and doing that and, and and my god, we would just open up there's a story about Joan. We, we, we would just open the door and Joan would swing her legs out the door, squat, pee, get back in the car and close the door. Okay. Like she was so, she could just, I don't know. 
I know. You know, people do a lot of peeing outside. They Obviously. Have they have to. At times, you have to. This brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. Don't forget, you can find all of our episodes, plus our bonus material, on our website. All for free. All for free. On our website, www.grumpyoldgameandtheirdogs.com. I hope people make fun of you for that. I hope they do, too. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where we try to post daily. And I think that's really Yeah, you do pretty okay with that. Thank you. Go ahead, continue with your thing. Well, I think I'm pretty much at the end of my thing. So, we're going to say, have a good night. Three habits. Have a good week. It's like a Jewish thing. Have a good life. And we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. Bye.